grabbing our attention. And those are just other people grabbing for dollar signs and influence. And so if you're trying to figure out what you love by surfing the internet, you know, I'd rather, you know, go surf a a real wave um, (laughs) or go take a walk in the park. Um, because it's it's really through quiet reflection, just quietness and stillness, and an awareness yeah. uh, of your own self that you're really going to be able to do the difficult work of figuring out what you enjoy. And, and I think journaling is is a great practice for that as well. If you listen to this podcast and find anything at all valuable, make sure you take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Billy Garten Jr. so I can see it and repost that to my story. Also, if you have any questions or inquiries about what you want me to speak about on this podcast, I want to know. Message me at Billy Garten Jr. and I'll be sure to get back. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. Welcome to the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. I'm your host, Billy Garten Jr., a 21-year-old entrepreneur and professional athlete. On this podcast, we'll be interviewing some of the most successful world leaders in their space in both business and sport. People who've amassed success, wealth, abundance, and most importantly, happiness, often after fighting incredible adversity. The hope is that through this podcast, we're not just going to inspire you or motivate you, but rather through the tips and hints that my guests share, spur you into action. If you're young and motivated, join me on this journey as we ignite the passion through some of the world's most inspiring stories. You know, when you wake up every day knowing exactly what you're striving for, nothing can stop you. Starting out my podcast, it was fundamental to me that I make it as professional as possible. And I could not do that without the help of podcast backdrops. Make sure you check out podcast backdrops on Instagram and put in the code BillyGarten to receive a special discount. Now let's dive into the episode. What's going on, guys? So as you all know, the Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast is all about inspiring you, the younger generation, 16 to 25-year-olds who are inspired every single day to live their ideal life. And so while many of our guests are telling stories, personal stories, what they've learned, tips, hints, etc., today's guest is uh, is more of a practical approach, how you can actually dive deep into your strengths and the overarching fact of simply being a young hustler and a young aspirer. And so we've got Rutledge Long today with Parachute Bridge. We're going to be touching all things the younger generation, what you need to achieve your ideal success in life and and I can't wait for a great conversation. So Rutledge, I'm so glad to have you on. Really, I'm honored. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Beautiful. Well, Rutledge, touch a little bit about your your background, your story, and, and, and maybe then dive into what got you to where you are today. Absolutely. You know, um, I feel like I've just, you know, I'm now 33 years old. So I'm, I'm I guess, kind of an old fart. I don't know how, how old the typical guests you have are on the show. Um <laughs> But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely well into, you know, my middle ages and um, I've, I've just enjoyed the heck out of life and tried to suck, you know, all the marrow out of the bones of life and, and have gone through so many different sort of journeys and tried so many different, 
you know, paths in life. Um, kind of grew up, uh, grew up in the States, grew up in, in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, big tourist town, a lot of beaches. Um, my, my mom and dad were both very hardworking uh, professionals. They were both attorneys by training. Right. Uh, my, my mom was uh, the third woman to graduate from uh, the University of South Carolina's law school. Wow. Uh, so, uh, you know, definitely had a strong female influence in the house. And my dad uh, argued nine cases successfully in front of the Supreme Court oh my um, and, and went on to develop a private island called Kiowa Island. So what happened to you then? <laughs> exactly. exactly, right? Like, so, you know, you're kind of growing up um, in this in this situation where uh, the sky is the limit, right? You know, yeah. and, and the sky was the expectation too. And, and so that was really a blessing and a curse, right? I have every advantage in the world. I have all these opportunities in terms of education. I, I'm at a young age. I'm getting, you know, to taste a lifestyle that a lot of people work their whole lives to achieve. Yeah. And so I really saw both sides of the coin in terms of wealth and influence. Um, my first job was interning for a senator on Capitol Hill. Um, that was my first job. You know, I was totally unqualified for Madness. it. Um, but, you know... I think what I saw um, and what I learned along the way is, is really informed the work that I do now. Yeah. Um, because, you know, if I've learned anything from meeting the people that I've met and, and being part of the, some circles and spheres of influence that I've been a part of just by birth, um, it's that there are really happy, rich people and there are really miserable, rich people. And if you aspire to be wealthy, no problem with that, right? But you want to be one of the the happy and fulfilled ones. Um, and yeah. and there's also you know there's happy and fulfilled poor people, and there are miserable poor people. Yeah. And so if you're going to do meaningful work but not make money, right? That's okay too, right? Yeah. But be doing meaningful work and be fulfilled and be passionate. Um, you know, so I, I'm all about just connecting people to their purpose and helping them achieve their goals through an understanding of their unique gifts, talents, strengths, yeah. and and networks that they can belong to that can advance uh, their goals for um, for and with them. So, yeah, man, it's been it's been a heck of a 33 years, but I feel like I'm really just getting started, um, and I have so much to look forward to. I think it's amazing because you were talking to there about about wealth and how people define wealth as, as money and, and success is often just put in terms of money. And, and one of the best things I ever heard was that success is not monetary. Monetary is just one equivalent of success and there's so many different factors that go into it. And so what it seems like you do and what you're talking about is defining success as this overarching thing and this overarching theme. And, and so I'd love you to touch a little bit more in detail as to what you mean there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, success is one of the uh, most challenging concepts in, in our time, right? You know, we all have this little measuring stick that we pull out, yeah. um, you know, and maybe you do it consciously and maybe you do it subconsciously, but we're always comparing ourselves and thinking about, you know, how do we measure up? Where, you know, how do we measure up to our own versions of ourselves, to our own um, you know, expectations, how are we measuring up to our neighbors? How are we measuring up to, you know, mom and dad, um, to what their expectations are, you know, am I, am I measuring up? And so I, I think that can be a really toxic, um, really toxic problem, right? You know, I, I, 
think it was C.S. Lewis that said that comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was a kid, um, there was this, uh, there was this Pinewood, Pinewood Derby race. And uh, my neighbor was telling me the story um, of how he and his dad spent all this time in the shop. You know, they, they had gone and they had, you know, got all the base parts and they were sanding down the wheels and they were yeah. putting together this go-kart and they worked on it for weeks and weeks and they just thought it was perfect, you know, and they're going to go on this race where it's like a downhill race. Um, and, you know, hundreds of other, you know, kids in the, in the town were all involved in it. And on the, on the drive there, my friend was telling me how he was just beaming with pride because he knew that in the trunk of his dad's car, they had the world's greatest machine. And as they arrived into the, the complex where the race was being held and he saw all 250 of the other carts that were going to be in this race, his heart just sank Yeah, because suddenly his, his cart wasn't as cool and wasn't as neat and wasn't as special yeah. as it had been. And so I see a lot of people um, judging themselves based on someone else's definition of success and they're judging themselves so hard and they're beating themselves up. And it's not even when you really start digging into what is driving it, it's not even their own definition of success. They're, they're, they're using either wealth or followers or likes or, you know, some, there's some metric that they're allowing to have an undue influence on their life. Yeah. And it's really holding them back from achieving their actual, their own true original version of success. So I think it's really important that everyone defines success. And, and to me, you know, my, my definition of success is based on the effort yeah. that I'm giving. Yeah. You know, it's, did I, did I go to bed having, you know, given my best effort today? Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that I like ran around in circles busy, you know, a lot of times it means being present and aware for me. Right. So, you know, my, you know, am I, did I take my time to journal? Did I take my time to meditate? Did I take my time to exercise? Um, did I, you know, did I serve my wife? Did I serve my kids? Did I serve, um, my, my, the mission of my business? And if I, if I did those things, plus to accomplish some of the stuff on my to-do list, it's usually a really good day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, my, my bank account is, isn't what it even was two years ago because I've invested so much in this current business, yeah. um, but I'm not going to judge myself based on that because, you know, I, I have to, to follow my own definition. So you know, that's what I would say about um, success is you, you really have to define it. it's very personal, it's extremely individual and just make sure that you're stacking yourself up based on your own definition and not someone else's. 100%. Uh, I'm interrupting my own podcast to talk directly to you. What do you care about? What is your deepest passion in this world? That is what you need to be doing consistently. So now that you know that, how can we align your content with those goals so you can build a personal brand that sells? That's everything we touch on in my eight-week personal branding accelerator. I'm opening up my next 50 spots as we speak. So DM me on Instagram at Billy Garten Jr. And we'll hop on a quick 10-minute phone call to see if you're a good fit. Now back to the episode. I think in many ways the stars have aligned that you're on this podcast because 
everything you just said there is everything I preach. And, and I said it before, I've said it many a time. Too many people are living somebody else's dream because they've been convinced that what somebody else loved and made money out of is what they need to love and make money out of. And every time I get on phone calls with people, the first thing I ask them is, what do you enjoy? And it's funny because 15 minutes later, what they tell me they enjoy in the first 30 seconds of our call is not actually what they truly enjoy. They actually hate doing that. (laughs) And so everything that you're saying right now preaches to everything I do and everything I believe that, that is wrong in this world. Courses that teach people how to do X, Y, and Z without truly finding what the actual individual likes and wants and needs to meet their goals. Courses that start at what I call step number two, which is how to sell, which is how to build your brand based on X. What about step number one, which is finding your true strength and your unique identity and your true goals so then everything else can come from that? Because I believe, and I'm sure that you feel the same, it's like I, I use this line a lot from J. Cole. I don't, I don't like to use rappers a lot, but J. Cole, one of his songs, he says, the good news is you came a long way, the bad news is you went the wrong way. And too many people, I think, do that. They dig themselves a hole which leaves them a mountain to climb because they start doing things that they don't actually enjoy. And then when they find out what they enjoy, it's either too late or they're too far along this path that they can't turn around. So, Yeah, it's so funny. I was actually thinking about that at dinner last night. Um, just how easily, you know, us, we as human beings, we can be persuaded, um, to follow something else or just to be attracted by a shiny object. I've got a six month old daughter, right? She's very brand new. Um, and she's the one that taught me that lesson because I'm watching her. I'm watching, how is the base, you know, how is the base model human brain wired? You know, the model that comes out fresh, brand new into the world. Um, and you know what? She was, she's just now sitting up and we had her at the dinner table and you put anything in front of her, anything at all, a cup, a bowl, a piece of paper, a pen, a paintbrush, doesn't matter. She grabs at it. She slaps at it. You know, and that's the same way that we are. And we're, we're surfing through the internet and it just, things are just grabbing our attention. Yeah. And those are just other people grabbing for dollar signs and influence. And so if you're trying to figure out what you love by, surfing the internet you know i'd rather you know go surf a, a real wave um <laughs> or go take a walk in the park yeah um because it's it's really through quiet reflection just quietness and stillness and and awareness yeah uh, of your own self that you're really going to be able to do the difficult work of figuring out what you enjoy and and i think journaling is is a great practice for that as well yeah I think also doing it internally and not letting the external influence of even the closest people to you, family, friends, etc., decide what you do and don't do. If there's anything I'm realizing more and more, it's that 95 and probably more of that, more than 95% of the world live in mediocrity. And so being influenced by those people who are convincing you that you can't do what you want or that you can't achieve your true identity I think is the biggest misconception this world has nowadays. You're, you, you're so on point with that. I'll tell you right now, like this is pretty personal for me, but in my thirties, I got rid of some of my closest friends and I, and I had the hardest time doing that. Yep. And it's not like I like, you know, sent them some sort of official termination letter, you know? I just sort of allowed myself to slowly drift away from their influence. Um, and it wasn't that they're necessarily bad people. And it wasn't that they um, aren't 
achieving someone else's definition of success. Um, it's that they weren't, they weren't really well aligned with my, my core values anymore. Yeah. And uh, we had been brought, brought together under circumstances like in high school. Um, and you know what, like at some point you kind of grow out of those immature things. And, but if you allow those people that are immature to continue to stay in your life, uh, they're only going to bring you down. You know, I think we do a lot of excusing and permitting yeah. um, of our closest friends, but it's, it's so true. The saying like the five people that you spend the most time with, are going to rub off on you yeah. and you're going to be a reflection of the five people that you spend the most time with. So do some, do some friend auditing, you know, are your friends that are around you, um, are they looking like the type of person that you want to look like? And, and if not, then it's going to be extraordinarily difficult for you to get there. It's not to say you can't continue to be friendly. Yeah. It's not to say you can't, you know, go see them once or twice a year. Right. But if you're, but if you're spending, you know, every weekend with the same group of people that are limiting you, um, you really need to, you really need to look into that and figure out why, why that is. Yeah. And I think that that also goes to not just friends, but, people closest to you like blood related family as well and one of the biggest things i've i learned was that they always say your family have your best interests at heart and it was only recently that i realized they don't have your best interests at heart they have your safest interests at heart and so many times your safest interests aren't your best interests because that takes out risk that takes out chance that takes out this big opportunity of the big wide world out there you know I'll tell you right now, man, you, you're, you're pushing all my buttons. Um, when I quit my job to start parachute bridge, um, my mom cried and my dad told me I was an idiot and that no one would ever hire me again. Um, it was a really painful, really painful moment in my life. And Thankfully, I had done a lot of work in realizing that, you know, my parents' dreams aren't my dreams, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that, that I got over it fairly quickly. But, you know, what's funny is when you get a little bit of success, they become your biggest cheerleaders. <laughs> so some of your, some of your biggest haters. Because they realize gonna... you're safe. They yeah. realize you're safe, right? right? They worry at the time that you're not going to be safe. And so it goes to that point. They don't want your best interest. They want your safest interest. Safest interest. And a lot of that can also be part of parent ego. I mean, just depending on the parent, parent unit, you know, like where you're going to college, a lot of that is parent ego. You know, if you're not going to the right brand name school, um, or if you're not going to college, maybe in your family, just going to college is the important thing. And then, you know, as some families, it's going to the right college that, yeah. that you know, at the cocktail party or the golf course. Yeah. You know, that your parents can say, oh, well, you know, Rutledge is going to Bowdoin or Vanderbilt. And like, Ooh, wow, isn't that impressive? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, you got to be aware that parent ego has an undue influence on the adolescent life. I think the, the Varsity Blues scandal, if you remember that Lori Laughlin, like, right, like the full house mom, um, you know, that they spent, you know, half a million dollars trying to get their kid into Southern California and so many other parents doing the same thing, right? Um, just paying money to, because they couldn't stand the fact that their parent, that their kid wouldn't get into the right school. And maybe the kid would have even gotten in, but they weren't going to take any chances. Yeah. You know, their ego was too fragile, couldn't handle it. Yeah. Um, and so I just think, yeah, you're right. It's not just friends. It's also family members. It's really anyone that's influencing your life. Um, 
you know, it, it, you gotta, you gotta make your own influences and, and surround yourself with positive role models. And, and a lot of times a book or even just someone that you follow on LinkedIn, um, if you're curating that content and bringing in the right content, as opposed to just taking what's naturally being exposed to you, that's, that's a really great practice to make sure that you're getting fed, um, good information. That's going to, going to build you up. Yeah. So what's your process then? What do you, what do you think the process is for the younger generation to, to change that mindset and to follow their true ideals? For, I'll give you an example. I mean, for me, the reason I like working with people 25 and younger is because you don't have a house now, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have family, you don't have, you're not wrapped up in all these things that make it a lot more difficult to pivot. And so now while you're brain I guess in many ways is still learning what it wants and and maturing in many ways as well I think now is the time to influence and get deep into people's heads so what what would your process be to to influence that that younger generation well I can tell you a little bit about the work that we do at Parachute Bridge go for it um so we have it's really our our process is a a 12-hour process um that takes place over initially three weeks and then extends out well beyond that. Um, actually, we have pretty much a lifetime alumni uh, that we stay in touch with and stay close with and are always tagging in LinkedIn articles or making introductions via email. Yeah. Um, but what we do, the first thing, Billy, is we, we give the students um, a, a set of assessments, right, that, that help them think through um, you know, their greatest strengths, their values, and their skills, right? So this is, you know, pretty, pretty traditional stuff as far as, um, you know, career identification is concerned. Um, you know, the, the Clifton Strengths is one of the most well-respected strength-finding uh, assessments. We coach them through their, their top five strengths, and it's amazing. Sometimes the students are like, wow, I actually am so much in better touch with myself after going through this process, because I would not have picked out those five from the list of 34. Yeah. Only through taking the the assessment do they really get in touch with that. And then we identify each one of those as their drivers, as their passengers, as their fuel, they, to create a picture of what really are their greatest natural strengths. And then we then they choose their own values, right? So we have you know 100 different values um, that they that they choose from that they identify with that they want to have honored in their lives that, that represent the things that they want to stand for as individuals. And then through, through the coaching, we define them for themselves. So these are things that people could do on their own. They don't need my program necessarily to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, you can hop on Clifton strengths. Um, you can, you can define your own values for yourselves. Um, and then we, you know, help create a list of their preferred skills. So helping people think about what are you good at and that you like? Not just what you're, you're good at, because that's just a skill. A preferred skill is something you can keep you in flow state where you never get tired and you're always getting juiced up and jazzed up by the work that you're doing. Yeah. And then your career personality type. So that's the sort of first three meetings is just strengths, values, skills, personality type. That helps open the Pandora's box to what are some possible pathways that would make sense for me. And the student does a lot of reflecting. We really believe in chaos theory. We're not believers in a linear progression, right? Like it, our, our process is not study sociology, become a sociologist um, or 
study, you know, uh, religion and become a priest. Yeah. You know, our study is, you know, study religion, you know, work for, you know, uh, work for LinkedIn, study, you know, sociology, become an archaeologist. Like it yeah. doesn't really matter. Um, chaos theory says that there's a butterfly effect. There's, there's a random event at the beginning of a series that can have an incredible influence on the next sequence of events. So you can think about like how different Billy, your life might have been if you were to erase only one day and one day's events from that, from your life, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, wow, it's incredible when you think about how one day and one event can change the course of things. So we do what's called wise wandering, um, which is a concept created by Dr. Kate Brooks, who's Vanderbilt's career center director. And it's a whole process, but basically it's a lot of mind mapping and thinking about their, their experiences so that we can really be very specific in recommending possible directions. Yeah. Um, we do the typical resume, LinkedIn coaching, cover letter process, all of that stuff. We workshop it. We help write it for them. Yeah. We can students to financial professionals um, for a couple of meetings. And then finally, it's just informational interviews, connecting students to the actual people doing the things that they want to do, explicitly coaching on networking, explicitly coaching them on how they can get a call, get in front of a decision maker and get one of the 80% of jobs that go unposted. um, Because that is, you know, for better or for worse, the way of the world, right? You're highly unlikely to get what you want by just applying to a job online. It's about, it's about getting in front of people that have spheres of influence that could have impact you. Yeah. I love that. In terms of these people then, because the first step really, like we talked about is, is understanding that you can truly do what you want. How do you go about getting people to understand that? Permission. It's about giving yourself permission. Um, It's about, understanding limitations that you impose on yourself and then giving yourself permission to let those things go. Right. Um, We all have limiting beliefs and there's not a human being out there that doesn't have some limiting belief. It starts usually with like an eighth grade with like, I hate math, you know, Um, and, or I'm bad at math and it just continues from there. You know, there's been some interesting studies on artists Right. You go to a kindergarten class. They, they did this. Um, Purdue University did this. They went to kindergarten classes and they asked the students, hey, are you an artist? And wouldn't you know, like 95 percent of kindergartners self-identify as artists. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's wonderful. Right. And then it's just amazing. As you get older, fewer and fewer people identify as artists mm-hmm. until you're adults. Only two percent of adults identify as artists. And, and so, you know, it's, anyone has the power to create, anyone can be a creator, anyone can be an artist, but people decide that they're not. And so what are you deciding that you're not? We have to ask those questions um, and and help people identify their, their limiting beliefs. What was it? What you're afraid of public speaking? Why? What happened? You know, what is it that you're, oh, well, I'm just, I've never been good at it. I've always been bad. I get nervous easily. Yeah. I don't like to talk. I'm, I'm an introvert, yeah. right? I don't like to talk in public. I think Mark Metry is a great, you know, great guy to talk about overcoming all sorts of self-limiting beliefs. And he's very vocal about it to the point of like, you know, why are you keep repeating yourself on this? Well, it's because there's every day there's someone that needs to hear that message. Every day. 
every single day. And a lot of times it's me, Yeah, you know, I'm the one that needs to hear the message, you know, like we've recently had a big bottleneck um, in our business as a result of having to, to transform the work that we do in light of COVID. Yeah. And, you know, it was very tempting to just use COVID as an excuse. Oh, that's why we're failing. That's why we're not achieving our goals. That's why we're not meeting the revenue that we need to have. It's COVID, right? And then you look, it's like, wait, do people need help with getting jobs? Yes. In fact, do people need more help than ever with getting jobs? Like, yes. Well, then why aren't we hitting our goals? It's not COVID, right? It's we need, we need to stop limiting ourselves. We need yeah. to stop holding ourselves back. So I don't know. What do you think? I mean, Billy, what have you found is the best thing for you? Like how, when, when do you catch yourself with self-limiting beliefs and how do you get past that? So starting a podcast can be quite daunting. You got to figure out camera equipment. You got to figure out sound, microphone, background, lighting, and that could be hard to think of. But when I found Blossom Media Studio, they made it so easy for me to just focus on what I actually care about, which is speaking to my guests on a weekly basis. Everything from pre to post-production gets taken care of. All I have to do is do what I enjoy, show up and record. So big thanks to Blossom Media Studio. Now let's get back to the episode. You know, self-limiting beliefs for me show up in in a variety of different ways. Um, I think those self-limiting beliefs, I'm fortunate that both my parents have always been the go-getter type and have always convinced me that that virtually anything is possible. You know, my dad played professional soccer for Manchester United, which there is no real higher dream than that. Um, And my mom was a professional dancer and so they both went for their passions and they found them and so I really believe that a lot of the work that I'm doing now and that I want to do subconsciously has to do with all of that from when I was a child and the biggest thing I find and and maybe not for myself but for most people that I speak to and this is why obviously I went to college for two years I went to the University of Portland and although I don't have a degree and I don't feel that college taught me anything educational wise it was probably one of the most invaluable experiences I could have ever had because of what looking back now what I got out of that from the human experience of of learning from my peers and those around me because I started asking people you know like what do you want and my ex-girlfriend was some someone at the time and and those in my close relationships, people that are strangers as well, I started asking people, you know, what do you want? And the common theme I kept hearing was, you know, I I wish I could do this, but I really enjoy this, but I can't do it because, you know, I want to do this, but, and there was always a but, and I became fascinated and I'm still fascinated to understand why that but is there and, and where that but comes from. And, I heavily believe that, yeah, they're internal self-limiting beliefs, but I believe a lot of that comes from the external. And Fear of failure. Fear of failure, but I believe that that is influenced by repeat pattern behavior, I call it, of those people before them. Like, for example, their parents, uncles, aunts, closest friends, people that they are heavily influenced by who maybe had their own dreams and aspirations that didn't work out, so they got stuck in this repeat cycle and this wheel of mediocrity. And because it happened to them, they believe it's not possible to reach beyond those heights. There's like a barrier there or a wall there. And so they, whether that be consciously or subconsciously, convince their kids, their cousins, their nephews, whatever it may be, that this isn't possible. You can't 
you can't do what you really want to do. You can't live this ideal life. These people that are doing that, they're one in a million and it's virtually impossible for you to do that. And everything I found was pointing to that. Like even the people I speak to, I don't think for many people it is it is because they don't want to get there. I think the first thing before that's not even that they don't want to, they don't even think they can. And so before they even think about that, they shut off any thoughts of reaching these goals, you know? And I'll give you an example. There was, there's a girl that I speak to, um, and if she's listening, she'll know that I'm talking about her, but she, uh, we had a a very in-depth conversation about this. I said, so what do you want? And the same thing popped up. Well, I, I, I really love to do this. I said, well, why don't you do that? Why don't you give that a go? You're 22 years old. Why don't you go and give that a go? well, there's not a lot of money in it and, and I took an engineering degree and, and this is what I want to do. Is it really what you want to do? Well, there's, I mean, there's more money in that and long story short, no, it wasn't what she wanted to do. And I went on this 45-minute rant about one, how the digital age permits you to create anything you want in this world based off of any dream that you have. Two, painting a picture for her of what her life could look like if she took those steps in terms of a dream car, dream house, where she could live, vacation in, surrounding herself with the people she loves. And and long story short, she said one of the most eye-opening things that, that I'd ever heard. She said, I said, so so what is stopping you from, from wanting to do that? She said, well, before you said any of that, I didn't ever think that was possible. I just always thought that I'd live in an average house I'd get an average car and I'd grow up with my family and and I'd have an average life and to me that was like I've just gone on this 45 minute rant and one sentence has changed my perspective on everything in the way that I am going to now speak and approach young people they don't even know that it's possible Mm. let alone thinking that they can reach that they don't Mm. even know what is there so much to unpack there. I mean, you know, first of all, yes, um, there there are so many people, and it's very sad, that don't even believe that what they want is possible and give up, give it up before it even begins, right? That's extremely sad. Um, but what those individuals need to know is that there are, the, the reason why, I, in my opinion, at least, the, you know, one reason why the rich get richer and the privileged remain privileged is because many people in the privileged class, they grow up never questioning that something could not happen or be possible. Whether or not they're really smart or capable, they just believe. And they're kind of dumb enough in some cases to just to keep going until it happens. Yeah. Whereas many more talented, smarter, more capable people don't necessarily believe and keep going. Um, the number one feedback that we get through Parachute Bridge is just, you really believed in me. And that in, that boosted my confidence. And because you were in my corner fighting for me and because you believed in me, I was able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Right, yeah, like it, the resume was helpful. It was nice that we wrote it, rewrote it for them. The cover letter, blah, blah, blah. Their LinkedIn looked better. None of that was really what they remembered. What they remembered is that somebody that mattered believed in them. 
And that, that was all the difference, right? And we connected them to, yeah. you know, they wanted to be an architect. We connected them to an architect yeah. that believed in them. They wanted to work in finance. We connected them to a private equity guy that believed in them, yeah. you know? And then suddenly they saw the world with new eyes. And it's like, wow, I, I belong. Yeah. I, can, I can do this. Yeah. Um, it's incredible what a little bit of belief can do. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, it's and and it's amazing what a little bit of doubt can do as well. I, I, Billy, I think that your voice is so strong, man. You're so powerful. You're obviously wise beyond your years. Um, but I, you know, not to get ahead of myself or, or derail a combo, but I really think you have a bright, bright future ahead of you in terms of the the audience that you're going to reach. I believe you're going to reach millions. And I appreciate millions. that. Well, that's the goal. That's the goal. I really no. I mean, you're, you're you're on your way, man. I can tell you right now. Well, thank you so much. There's one last thing that I want to touch on, and it's this this one percent sort of rule that that people talk about, and maybe you have some insight into this um, this one percent of success, like only the one percent succeed. Yeah. I believe that what I've found is the only reason that the only only the 1% succeed is because only 1% of people, like you said, and I wanted to jump off the back of that, believe that they can succeed. The other 99%, probably 50% of those 99% don't believe exactly that, that they can achieve that. And I believe that what you said, simply just believing that you can achieve more and you can create more and you can do whatever you want would up that 1% to 20% immediately. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I believe the one percent is is. Yeah, I mean, I think quantify. I think the world that we're living in, you know, where the one percent are doing. I mean, you know, it's like whether you're conservative or liberal, I don't care, you know. But there's no denying the fact that the, the wealth the wealth gap has gotten pretty extreme, and so right now, you know, the one percent is extra, extraordinary wealthy wealthy compared to the other ninety nine percent. Um, and it really wasn't always that way. It's kind of waxed and waned through yeah. different points in history. But we're now at one of those moments where, you know, there, there's extreme wealth at at the top. And there's, there's, you know, a pretty sizable gap between like a modest middle class life, fairly, you know, typical middle class life earning, you know, maybe, you know, 45, 50 K and someone that's at the top, you know, earning 45, 50 million. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a big gap. And so I think a lot of people compare themselves and their success again to the 1%. And, and there, you know, there's a lot of confidence men out there. Oh, just dream it and do it. Just dream it and believe it. Um, and there's also a lot of people that are, you know, sort of on the other side is saying like, no, we can't just tell people that they, that anything is possible. It's only going to make them upset when they don't achieve their dreams. And, and, and get their goals. And, um, again, you know, I, I, I'm not really, I don't, my work in this world is not about, you know, to make people wealthy or, um, you know, we don't, we don't do a ton of work around like the definition of, um, you know, success. Although after this conversation, we probably will, you know, my, my whole purpose is like, your what is your learning look like? What is your personal growth and learning look like? What's your educational trajectory? Um, because they're really, you know, if you look at successful people, there really is nothing that they have in common other than that they all had goals 
that they checked in with on a regular basis and they were held, they held themselves accountable to reaching those goals. I mean, there's just, I mean, think about the people at the top of the top. It's like they, they went so many different ways to get there. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't matter if you want to like make pizzas or if you want to like, you know, make a social media app, or if you want to be a dancer, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, whatever you want to do, right. Make sure it, it is what you want to do or else you're going to get, you're going to get unhappy and switch it at some point later. And I, I love what you and your work is all about because you know what, as someone that has two kids, right? Like I'm, I'm now in my second entrepreneurial pursuit. My first one was pre pre family, pre even I was single, Yeah. you know, that's the time to do it right? <laughs> because like my, you know, my, my sort of leash of how long I can go, you know, not being a smashing financial success is pretty short relative to someone who's young, right? You can eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and pasta all the time if you want or need to, right? Like you can eat cheap and live cheap. And it doesn't matter if you have like three bedrooms in your house, cause you don't have four people in your family that you need to provide for. Yeah. Right. And you can, you can share a room with someone if you need to, so you can keep your expenses really low and put all of your capital into investing in your dreams. That's the time to do it. We do it so backwards in this country, right? We're like, you know, first you get the job, first you go to college, get yourself into a ton of debt. Right. And then after college, you know, you go into your sort of typical corporate job, you work your way up the ladder, make enough money and then start your own business. Once you have a family and a white picket fence and two cars in the garage, Yeah, that's just so crazy. So I, you know, go for it now. Um, and, and, and don't let anyone else tell you that you're wrong. In fact, if they're telling you that you're wrong, it, it's probably a really good indicator that you're on the right path. Unless that is someone that you really, really, really yeah. really trust yeah. you, you will be shocked how many of your closest friends and family members when you really start to step towards your most personal and intimate dreams are going to try to stop you yeah you'll be shocked yeah um they will try to shut the door in your face and as soon as you start to get closer to your dreams they're going to act like they were your biggest cheerleaders yeah so just ignore the noise and and do what you want to do live live the life that you want to live and stop waiting right stop waiting don't for it to happen permission. no one is going to this is a hundred percent your responsibility there is no one coming to save you there is no magical success and happiness fairy that is going to tap you on the shoulder at age 40 and tell you congratulations yeah. not at all right it is up to you to really meditate deeply on what is the itch that you're on this earth to scratch and you better damn spend all your time scratching that itch or you just won't be happy. You're going to have a midlife crisis. You're going to think a Mustang is going to solve your problems. And, you know, it's like, don't do it. Uh, just it, what are you dreaming about? Where's your attention going? What is the vision that you keep seeing, you know, randomly at different times of the day? Is it to write a book of poetry? You know, is it to go, is it good to go hike K2? You know, is, is it to learn Russian? Yeah, I don't know what it is for you, but, Whatever it is, be, be obedient to your deepest desires and your freedom will, will be a, a life-changing metamorphosis. Yeah. It's that saying that the future never arrives, right? Keep putting it really? off and putting it off and putting it off. Say, 
the future never arrives. I might, I, I love that. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's never going to come, you know? Um, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> well, Rutledge, I think that's a, a great place to end it before we do touch on where people can find you, where people can get involved with, with you guys at parachute bridge. Yeah. Um, we're at parachutebridge.org. Um, and yeah, you can reach me Rutledge at parachutebridge.org. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, we're on Instagram. Um, so yeah, holler our way. If there's anything we can do, if there's anyone, um, I can connect you to, you know, just always love meeting new people. I would love to meet anyone in Billy's audience. So drop me a line, tell me, tell me that you met me through Billy. Um, and I'll take them out for coffee and tell them thanks. <laughs> well, guys, you know what to do. Another great episode. Phenomenal, phenomenal insight there. Go and chase your dreams and do it now. That saying we just ended with, think about that every single day. The future never arrives. Whatever's in your head, go after it and start today. The Inspiring Young Aspirers podcast. If you haven't subscribed now, you're missing a trick. Make sure you have. Follow me at Billy Garton Jr. across all social media channels. I've said it once, I've said it twice, I'll say it a million times. We're going to the very, very tip top. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>